Thank you for those that are on Zoom today. Lord, thank you for those that can connect with us that way. So we pray, Father, that as we open your word uh, in Galatians once again, that you'll speak to our hearts and minds. You'll give us uh, wisdom and directions on how to live for you with lives that bring honour and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just one other thing, Cheryl, the, uh, the Christmas shoeboxes, are they the new forms up there? Okay, so just a, a little bit of a difference to last year's. Last year with each shoebox, it cost $10 to transport it from uh, Cairns, where we, we take it to a depot there, from Cairns to an Australian warehouse, and from the Australian warehouse to the islands or wherever it's going. So there's a $10 fee last year. This year it's $12.50. So uh, some people can't don't have the time to fill up a shoebox, but they can sponsor a shoebox. So if that's you, just put uh, an envelope in the in the um, offering bag and mark it shoebox, $12.50 or whatever amount's in there, and that will go towards the cost that somebody else can't afford uh, to put in with a shoebox. So today is Father's Day, and as uh, uh, Bob and the uh, Kids for Christ have already said, I trust that all the fathers among us have a happy Father's Day. And uh, not sure what's happening with my girls. I think I might have left home before they got out of bed, so I haven't heard from them. But generally, generally sometime on day, I'll hear from my girls and the grandchildren. But I pray that God will bless all the fathers here and the fathers-to-be with wisdom, love, strength, and all that's needed to be a dad for God, because we need that. I wonder, have you ever heard um, somebody bragging about their father? We had lots of great things up on the on the uh, um, screen there this morning. I want to tell you a couple of stories this morning about bragging or boasting, because that's what this passage in, in Galatians talks about. It talks about boasting about something. But this one story is about three little girls who are bragging one day in the cafeteria at school. And one girl said, My dad's so smart, he can talk for an hour on any subject. That's interesting, isn't it? The second girl said, my dad's so smart, he can talk for two hours on any subject. A little bit of bragging and boasting here going on. And the third girl, girl said, well, my dad's so smart, he can talk for three hours and he doesn't even need a subject. Hmm. Don't know too many men that are like that, by the way, uh, talkers. No, no. And then, not just for the girls, but the boys sometimes brag about their dads too, and there's another story. One said, well, my father runs so fast, he can shoot an arrow and start to run and get there before the arrow. (laughs) Not talking about me. And the next little boy to one up on that story says, my dad's so fast, he can shoot a gun. And he's a hunter. And And he can get there before the bullet. I think that's one of those stretch stories a little bit. Another one said... My dad works for the government and he is so fast that he gets off at work at five and is at home by four. (laughs) I love these stories because they're bragging about somebody that they really admire. This one's not so much about dads, it's about somebody saying they're better than they, they, uh, they want everybody else to think that they were really good. So this story is about a young man who worked on a construction site he was bragging that he could outdo anyone in any feat of strength. Men don't do that, do they? Brag about their strength. 
So this young man made a special case of making fun of one of the older workmen that was on site. And so he, he teased him and he taunted him. One day, the older worker had had enough. He said to the young, young man who was boasting and bragging, he said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? I'll bet a week's wages that I can haul something or carry something in a wheelbarrow over to that building so you won't be able to carry it back. You're on, old man, the young man said. The old man grabbed the wheelbarrow by the handles then he turned to the young man and he said, all right, get in. <laughs> Do you get it? So the young man couldn't put himself in the wheelbarrow and haul himself back, could he? I think there's a bit of wisdom there. Sometimes when we boast or brag about something, we can get ourselves into trouble or we can get other people into trouble. And sometimes I've heard people bragging or boasting about spiritual things. Because I do this, I'm better than you. That is so sad. Because I do this, I'm holier than you. And I think that they've just shot themselves in the foot by making those sort of statements. Because spiritually... The things that we should boast about are not ourselves, but about what God has done for us. And that's exactly what Paul finishes up with. This is the last sermon in this series. We're looking at Galatians, the book of Galatians, or the letter to the Galatians. This is the last sermon in that series. And Paul was boasting about something. He was finishing the letter well. He was finishing it on a high note. He wanted to make it absolutely clear that people had understood what the rest of the letter was about. And he was boasting about salvation and salvation is only because of the cross and we've talked about that this morning haven't we already in the communion time Paul was boasting about the cross of Christ he had no other reason to boast but other than in the in the cross of Christ we're going to discover how he does that in these last few verses of chapter six this morning often uh, often when you come to the end of a letter uh, it's signed like yours sincerely, John or whoever your name is. And you think, oh, that's the end of the letter. And some people approach Paul's letters like that because he wrote a number of them in the scriptures. And they think, oh, Paul's coming to the conclusion of his letter. So it's just going to be a finish. And, but there's some really important things in the conclusion that he wants to re-emphasize from what he's already said in the letter. And so we're going to look at those briefly this morning. I want to call this message this morning, Boasting in the Cross. Boasting in the Cross. And that's what Paul did. We're looking at chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through to 18. The first thing that Paul talks about in these verses is he talks about, are we on there? Let's see. It's not connecting for me, guys. That's because there's no batteries in it, Mark. (laughs) One of us didn't check. Me. Both of us. Thanks, Cheryl. So have you got your Bibles there? Uh, there we are. Thanks, uh, Judy. Paul, first of all, starts with his signature. And he says this in, ver- in chapter 6, verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now, that was unusual because most of Paul's letters were written by a scribe. He would voice them. He would say them, speak them out. And his scribe would write the letters. But it seems to me, and seems to the uh, commentators of this passage, thanks Mark, that um, that at this point, 
He said the, told the scribe to have a rest and he's going to finish the, letter, the rest of the letter himself. And so he says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And some people think that uh, there might have been reasons for Paul saying this or doing this, certainly using the large letters. Some people say that Paul had poor eyesight and, uh, and that this poor eyesight had been a, a thorn in his flesh. And back in, in, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul mentioned that, that the, that the uh, Galatians respected it and honoured him so much that some of them would have even gouged out their own eyes and given them to him if it would help with his eyesight. So, so some of the commentators are saying here that he's, saying, he's writing in large letters because of his poor eyesight. I think there's another possibility. He didn't have a word processor and he didn't have bold, bold font or italic font. And I think that's what he was doing. He was writing at large so that he was saying to people, these are the important things that I've been saying to you throughout this whole letter. Make sure you get it. So he's doing it in large letters to, to emphasise. And in fact, if he, if he could have put it in lights, he would have said, important, read this, is what he's saying. So this is how Paul finishes the final paragraph of his letter to the Galatians. Read this, take note of this. This is what I'm, what I'm writing is the last important things that I'm going to say. Verses 12 and 13, he starts to talk about the reason for the letter. He says, to those who want to impress people by means of the flesh, to those who want to impress people by the means of, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ, verse 12 says. Verse 13 says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So these were the enemies, these were the false teachers, these were the Judaizers that Paul had been addressing the letter to or about and he'd been writing to the Christians in those churches about them. I think it was sort of like trying to get the knife in for the last dig and, and say, come on you folk, remember, this is important. These people are trying to deceive you. They're trying to make you do things that you don't need to do. Just remember, those things are not important. So he had some accusations against those enemies. He wanted to make sure that they, that they knew that he knew what they were doing. And so he says this, he said, he said the first accusation was that they had egos. They were trying to impress people. They were trying to impress people. They were trying to, to make good their claims. And they were doing it out of pride rather than out of relationship, rather than out of relationship with God. Both there and in verse 13, it says that they may boast about your circumcision. That's ego-driven. It's all about them. It's not about God. It's not about what God wants. The second accusation was that, that they were bullies. They are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Another translation says they are trying to force you to be circumcised. Remember what they're on about? Salvation is through faith in Christ, yes, but it's the plus salvation. Salvation plus circumcision. Salvation plus the festivals, the Jewish festivals. That's what makes you really saved, is what they were saying. And Paul was trying to concisely, in his conclusion to his letter, say, this is wrong. So they're egotists, they're bullies. In fact, they're cowards. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. 
You see, if they went to another Jewish uh, town and they could justify that they were circumcised, then they wouldn't be persecuted. But many of the Jews of the day who weren't Christians were persecuting followers of the way still. That's what Paul was doing originally. It hadn't stopped. But if a person could prove that they were circumcised, then they wouldn't be persecuted anymore. So they were cowards. They weren't prepared to stand up for faith in Christ alone. They were wanting to uh, get away with uh, not being persecuted. And the fourth accusation that Paul writes in this conclusion is, not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They are hypocrites. Because even though they said salvation is through faith in Christ, but you've got to be circumcised, you've got to obey the, um, the festivals, you've got to obey the law of Moses, they weren't doing it. And earlier in his letter he argued that. They weren't doing it. And so he's trying to drive home that this is what these people were saying. Take notice. Don't get caught up in it. But as a real contrast to those things, in this conclusion of his letter, he wants to boast about something. He wants to boast about the cross. He wants to boast about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Born again through faith in Jesus Christ, that's what he is saying. That's the important thing, not all this extra stuff that people are wanting to add on. Ultimately, Paul says, it's the heart of your religion is what you boast in, and the, the heart of the religion is the person of Jesus Christ and the cross that he died for our sins on. I wonder if I was to ask you today, what's your greatest boast? What would you boast about the most in life? Some people might boast about their wealth or their education or their, their family pedigree, their history. They might boast about their, their charming personality or their great looks, whatever it is. Maybe some people would boast about their ability to get things done or their educational achievements, or their families. The list could go on, the things that we could boast about. But Paul learned that there was only one thing to boast about, and that was the cross, the cross of Christ. That was the only thing that mattered. When we really understand the gospel, when we really understand to learn to boast exclusively about the cross, a lot of these other things pale in significance. Paul did, and that's what he stood for. And he tried to convince the Galatians that that's what they needed to stand for, to boast in Christ alone. Previously in chapter 5, verse 6, he says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is the new creation. How would you finish a letter if you were writing to somebody? This is very unique for Paul. He finishes this letter by challenging the people once again, like a summary statement, if you like. And finally, in verse 16, he starts on a time of blessing. He says this, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. What's this rule that he's talking about? It's this this way of life, this way of faith in Christ alone. It's not the rules like the law of Moses. It's this rule of obedience to Christ, obedience to the gospel of Christ. And by doing that, he'd already said that they would be uh, 
considered as righteous, just like Abraham was, and they would be seen as the people, as the Israel of God. I wonder, are we experiencing that blessing? As we be obedient to what God's told us to do, are we experiencing that blessing? Paul continues on in his conclusion, and he says, remember this, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. What were they, what were they saying? They were saying, you need to be circumcised. Paul had been through so much in his life. He'd been through beatings, he'd been through shipwreck, he'd been through, uh, uh, times of imprisonment. And so he actually had the scars, physical scars on his body. He was saying, I really bear the marks of Christ. But they're trying to tell you to get circumcised so that you'll have your body marked. And that guarantees your salvation. I wonder, Paul as an apostle was declaring his marks were marks that he received because he was in service for Christ. Their marks, the marks that they were promoting, were marks of uh, salvation through works rather than salvation by grace. He goes on in verse uh, 18 and talk, it's really a benediction if you like. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. I wonder, a very personal ending written in his own handwriting, very important. Look at this, this is important. And he was saying, this is the most thing, most important thing. You are my family in Christ because the grace that you have received has come from Jesus, not from the works that you've done. It's from faith in Christ alone. You know, we started this journey through Galatians at the end of April. Has it been that long? It certainly has. But God said some clear things to us through Paul. And I think there are some lessons that we need to remember. I'm just going to run through those very briefly this morning. And I've called them some enduring lessons of Galatians. The first thing is that even well-taught Christians may be led astray. Now, Paul was the church planter of these churches in Galatians. He'd gone in there and shared with them the gospel the first time. And it was in these towns where he went that they responded to Jesus through faith in him alone and what he'd done for them. And these people had been well taught, but others had come along with convincing arguments. Others had come along with with truth that was just a little bit off-centre. And they were using some of the truth that he shared with them in the gospel but adding these extras to it. We have to be so careful today. In our lives, there's lots of teaching out there that sounds great, it's very attractive, but if it goes away from the, 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 the central gospel of Christ, we have to be careful about it. In another letter in Ephesians, Paul warned the Ephesians and he said, sorry, in Acts, he warned them, he said, even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. We have to come back to the word of God. We have to come back and test all the teachings and, and the suggestions and the things that we hear against the word of God. And certainly that's the second thing. Stand for truth and expose error when great issues are at stake. That's what Paul was doing. The reason why I say that is that not every issue that's risen, that's, that's raised up in a church is a great issue, as in, is, a, is an important issue. There are a lot of things that will come up where we have a difference of opinion or we might have a, uh, a personal preference about something, 
But it's not those sort of things that we should fight over or we should find the truth in. It's those things which challenge where salvation comes from, which challenge our Christian faith in Christ alone. They're the things that we should fight over or expose and stand for truth in, not so much fight over. When anybody attempts to deny or change these these central truths, that's when we need to be careful. That's when we need to take a stand. The third thing we can learn from this book of Galatians is that we need to believe the gospel, obey the gospel, and stay true to the gospel to be saved. And this is something that Paul has written in all of his letters. In the, in the, in the, book, in the letter to the Romans, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed and a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So he says this over and over again. The gospel is important. In um, 1 Corinthians, he says a similar thing. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. The one true gospel is what he's saying. And also in Galatians, early in the letter, he says, to those Galatians, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. There's only one gospel, and we must stick to that gospel. We must test everything against the gospel. Faith in Christ alone. He died for our sins. He rose again to give us eternal life for anybody who puts their faith in him. That's the gospel. Anything outside of that, we need to test. The fourth thing, salvation is by grace, not by works. And I think I had that around the wrong way, those slides. Yeah, no, that's it. For it is by grace, Ephesians, Paul writes in Ephesians, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This salvation is by grace alone. You know, I've said it before, if we had to climb the highest mountain and pluck a tail feather out of a wedged eagle, uh, wedge eagle, you know, we'd do it. But it's not what's required of us, it's required that we believe in Christ alone. And the final thing that we can take home as an enduring lesson from the Galatians is this, the surpassing value of Christian freedom. And what's our theme been? Discovering uh, freedom in Christ and helping others to discover that freedom in Christ as well. And certainly we have this freedom in Christ because right at the beginning of, uh, of Paul and all the way through he's been talking about this freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. But in that freedom, we have to stand firm. And there's responsibility in that freedom. We are, what are we free from? We're free from the guilt of sin. We're free from the power of sin. We're free from the penalty of sin. All those things we're free from. But our freedom is a spiritual freedom which opens up a new and everlasting relationship with God. But we are free to serve God. So we're, 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 we're freed from the slavery of sin, but we're, and we're free to serve God by loving one another. That's the, the great irony, if you like. That's the great 
reality. We, works don't save us, but we're saved for works. Grace saves us, and that enables us to serve one another in love. And we look, looked, about, looked at that a couple of weeks ago, carrying one another's burdens. I wonder if you're there yet. I wonder if you've discovered that freedom in Christ, which says, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I want to live for you, and I want to serve others for you. I want to finish this morning with a reference to a movie or a uh, play. You might have seen it. Um, Les, Les Miserables. Anybody seen the movie or the musical or the play? Uh, if you haven't, I'll tell you what it's about. There's a great story in here that reminds us of what Paul's talking about. It's a, a movie or a musical based on a book by uh, Victor Hugo and it's about an ex-convict. His name is Jean Valjean. He, uh, he stole a loaf of bread to feed his starving family. He got caught by the police, sentenced off to jail, who was five, five plus years. And at the end of that time, he served his time. And as he, when he came out, everybody that had been in jail in those years was given a yellow ticket, if you like. And they had to carry that yellow ticket with them wherever they went. And, they, and whenever they were talking with businesses or, 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 or owners of uh, employers, they had to show the yellow ticket, which showed that they'd been a convict and they were now an ex-convict. He tried to get a room at an inn and uh, he even offered to sleep in the barn and the response from the innkeeper was that they were law-abiding godly people and he couldn't stay there. Very sad. So uh, Valjean sits outside a house and he says this poem. Well, it's actually a song. And now I know freedom, how freedom feels. The jailer, always at your heels. He was carrying that yellow ticket. It is the law. This piece of paper in my hand that makes me curse throughout the land, it is the law. Like a curse, I walk the street, the dirt, the dirt beneath my feet. So he was, he was at a loss. He'd been found guilty, he'd done his time, but the community saw him as an ex-convict. Right at that time, the local bishop stepped out of his house and it appeared that uh, Valjean was sitting on the steps of the bishop's house. And he invites him inside for food, for drink and for a rest. He offers a bed for him to sleep in and shelter from the cold outside. Very gracious of that bishop. So Valjean accepts the bishop's offer, has a great meal, and then during the night he steals the silverware off the table and the cupboard of the, of the bishop, runs away. The police eventually catch him. And he tries to tell them that the bishop gave him the silverware as a present. So the police brought him back to the bishop's house to prove that he was lying. When they arrive at the house, next photo, the bishop comes out to the door holding two silver candlesticks, which he gives to Valjean, telling the police that Valjean forgot to take the candlesticks that he gave him along with the rest of the silverware. I didn't think bishops were allowed to tell lies. The police released him and then they went away. Valjean, Jean Valjean was puzzled about why the bishop has saved him from going back to prison and why he's even given him more silver. And this is what the bishop says. But remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. 
That's what Jesus did for us, didn't he? He bought our souls for God when he went to the cross. We, we were imprisoned by the law of sin. We were sentenced to an eternal death for our sins against God, our disobedience to God. But while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus rescued us by going to the cross. We're not set free for selfish purposes, but that we might serve the Lord. Val John was given a gift by that bishop. Use this silverware to do good with your life. God has redeemed us from our slavery to sin through what Jesus did. And he wants us to use this new life to serve him in the freedom that we have been given. That's the story of Galatians, isn't it? Freedom in Christ, freedom to serve. Are we there yet? Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray that day by day, as we wonder at the freedom that you've gained, that has been gained for us because of Jesus, help us not to waste that. Help us not to be trapped or caught up or attracted to other things other than what you want us to do. Lord, we pray that day by day we will willingly, happily serve you and serve your people. Father, help us to be be cautious about new things that we hear. Help us to check it out against your word and to make sure the gospel is still clearly presented. Father, we want to be a church that knows the freedom of Christ and lives in that freedom day by day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Lord.